I was a fundamentalist. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> I was born in a fundamentalist family. I was raised to believe certain things. I was anti-abortion, anti-gay. I was a creationist, which made me anti-evolution, too. <laughs> I was also, I believed that uh, women should be subservient to men. That was all part of our doctrine. So, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> I'm not that anymore, okay? <laughs> she might attack me when I'm on my Anyway, when you grow up, when you grow up at a, in a situation like that, you pretty much, you know, you're taught that's the way it is, and so you believe it. You don't question it. And because it's coming from your parents, people that you love and admire, and so you assume that that's the right way to see the world. And I did. In fact, the first time that I ever really questioned my father's judgment was I was about 13, right old age of 13. So I had a lot of wisdom, right? <laughs> anyway, I had, uh, just from going to school and talking to some of my friends and things like that, I decided that I wanted to switch churches. So I told my father, I want to switch churches. And he said, I don't care which church you go to as long as you go to church. So I did. I felt pretty good about that. Of course, when I got into my teenage years, I did like any other teenager does, and I did have some certain questions that I started asking myself or wondering about, you know, like, why are there so many denominations, and why did these people believe this, and these people believe that, and they all consider themselves Christians. You know, things like that. But I put it on the back burner because the other thing that church was for me was it was part of my life. I loved going to church. I loved the social aspect of it. By the ripe old age of 14, I was already teaching a Sunday school class. From there, I went on to be in a choir, to lead a choir, even preached a few sermons in my day. I eventually became a youth leader. So the church to me wasn't just about the religion. The church to me was my social life. It was everything that I did outside of the home. Every time the church door was open, I was there for some reason or another. Teaching a class or practicing something or going to a Bible study, I was there. So it became a big part of my life. But as I said, I did have questions throughout my teenage years especially. Finally, after I got out of high school, I did like a lot of other people do whenever they're in a small town and there's no jobs. I joined the military. I went into the Navy, but it doesn't really matter if you're in the Navy or the Marines or the Army. You do the same thing when you come from a small town. You're thrown into a group of people that are from lots of different backgrounds and have lots of different beliefs. That can be confusing to a small town boy. So it just brought up a whole lot of new questions about why we were what we were, why we believed what we did, how come you believe this, and how come you believe that, and how can you say you serve the same God I do when you don't do this particular activity? It took me a while to uh, get my mind around that and really understand it. After I got out of the Navy, I managed to uh, secure one of the most perfect jobs for a young Christian boy like me. I got to be a teacher at a private Christian school. One thing about a private Christian school, especially in the state of Oregon, is you don't need a license to teach in a private Christian school. Great for me. So for two years, I taught diligently in this private Christian school. Now, of course, in a private Christian school, you have to believe certain things and buy into certain doctrines or you're not going to get to teach. 
And I did. It fit right in with what I believed, or what I thought I believed. So for that two years, not only did I indoctrinate the children, but I made it very clear that I believed what I was teaching. And I taught my own children those same beliefs. After two years of teaching in a private Christian school, I had an accident. And you can ask me about that. That's a different story. That's why I have this. But um, that's not part of this story. The only thing I'll say is that as a result of my accident and losing my foot, I did get a chance to go to college because for a couple of years while I was recuperating, I couldn't do anything else. Couldn't work. Um, you know, had to recuperate. Got a little bit of money from the settlement, got some money from the state, and I decided, okay, this is a good time to go to college. So I went. Being a teacher in a Christian school, it proved to me that I really did like teaching after all, even if it wasn't a perfect Christian school. And so when I went to college, I decided to go ahead and get my teaching degree. Now going to college is kind of like going in the military, <laughs> only different. <laughs> the way that it's the same is that you, again, are thrown in with a whole bunch of people that have a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different ideas that you've never heard of before. So, different from the military, there's no shortage of people who are willing to stop on the sidewalk or in the park or in the cafeteria and debate with you about what you believe and why you believe it. I was in heaven. I thought it was great. <laughs> Some people are intimidated by it, but I loved it. In fact, what I would do is, because I had already had a family started, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to going to college. Most of the students were younger than me by that time. But what I would do is I'd drive across the valley for 40 miles to the university, and since I would have time between the classes, I didn't want to drive all the way back home and then turn around and drive all the way back again. So I would just stay there, and I would go to the library and study, work on my homework, but also I took advantage of that opportunity to start researching some of these pressing questions that I'd been having all these years. Why were things the way they were? And I started reading my head off about where the Bible came from. Why does it say what it says? Who really wrote it? Why is it the way that it is now and not the way it was, you know, 100 years ago? What's the difference? Where did it come from? So I eventually gathered enough information to write that book that Lawrence told you about. So if you want to pick up a copy, you can. Now there's only four copies there because I didn't have any extras, but if you want one, just um, write your name down with your information. I'll make sure that you do get one. Anyway, it was fascinating to me because not only was I able to study those things and read about those things, but I was able to discuss it face to face with people that I met on the college campus. Some of them were kooks. <laughs> but some of them actually made sense. So I managed to gather all this information together and throw out the kooky ones and find the ones that really made some sense and put it together and start asking myself, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I finally, uh, through all this process, of course, had my personal life going on. I was raising a family. I was married. First marriage came to an end. And um, I went a couple years and dated a few gals, and then I found someone else to marry. And for some reason, she didn't want to go to the same church my first wife went to. <laughs> Can't figure that one out. <laughs> anyway, 
at this time in my life, I decided we needed to go look for churches. So we started shopping around for different churches. Now remember, I do have these questions going on in my mind, but I'm not going to tell her about it. I wanted her to find some place that she was comfortable at. So we finally did find a church that she was comfortable at, and I immediately jumped in just like I had before. Started teaching Sunday school, leading youth groups, being on the music team, and, you know, getting myself involved in church. Because to me, again, it was a social community. That's the part I enjoyed about church. Well, she had a little falling out with the pastor and decided that this particular church was not for her, and she promptly stopped going. Well, by that time, I was so involved, I couldn't stop going because I loved it so much. She didn't mind, so I would go to church every Sunday and do my duty and do the worship team and teach Sunday school and pretty much rub elbows with all my friends there. While I was doing this, by now, I've got the internet and I've got computers just like everybody else does, and I'm doing my research instead of at the library at the college, I'm now doing my research online. Not only am I doing my research online, but I'm also writing some little papers and submitting them to certain websites and letting them publish them online, never thinking about the public nature of the internet. <laughs> you see where this is going? Sure enough, it happened. One morning, it was a sunny morning, I'm in church. We're practicing our music. We would practice at 8.30 or so in the morning. Service was about 10 o'clock. We just wanted to make sure all our songs were together and everything was going to sound great. So we practiced for about an hour. And after the end of that hour, the pastor walked into the back of the sanctuary. And he comes promptly up to the stage and he looks at me and he said, Could I see you in my office? <laughs> okay, sure. Did I have something to be afraid of? I didn't think so. But I went down to his office, walked in, sat down. He sat behind his desk, opened a drawer, pulled out a couple sheets of paper and laid them on the desk. And of course, I immediately recognized them as a couple of things I had published online. Did you write those? Well, what was I going to say at that point? No. I said, yeah, I wrote those. He said, well, I didn't know you felt that way. And I said, well, you know, I've been kind of keeping it to myself because I didn't want to, you know, upset anyone or cause any problems. He said, well, if you really feel that way, I don't think I can have you in a leadership position anymore. I said, okay, I guess I can understand that. So uh, I didn't really want to argue with him on the spot and make a big scene, so I just accepted that. He did let me complete that particular Sunday morning service. But the following week, he said, you're going to have to step down. So I tried going to church a couple of weeks in a row without being, you know, participating, without being a part of the service. I couldn't do it. After a couple of weeks, I just could not do it. It was just too much for me to sit there and not be involved. So I stopped going. Well, up until this time, I haven't told you the whole story. And remember when I was born into a family of fundamentalists and I had asked my father permission to attend another church. Well, my father was still alive at this time. We had moved him into an assisted care facility and he was growing older and more feeble. So I knew it wasn't gonna be much longer. So I tried to go to the assisted care facility as often as possible and spend time with him because he was my father, even though we didn't always agree. Um, I still loved him. But anyway, I realized at one of those visits that I was going to have to tell him the truth about how I had pretty much lost my faith and 
considered myself even atheist, but I wanted him to hear it from me. So after a few weeks of going and going and not breaching the, broaching the subject, I finally decided, okay, this is it. I'm going to have to tell my dad. So I walked into his, his room one day, and I sat down. How you doing, dad? Fine. How's the weather? You know, we did all the small talk. And then he broached the subject. He said, son, I hear you're not going to church anymore. And he said, yeah, dad, that's true. I'm not going to church anymore. I said, I've had lots of questions and I just can't seem to get answers, and so I've stopped going to church. And I said, even more than that, I'm an atheist. And I could see an immediate change on his face, the disappointment. But he didn't yell, he didn't scream, he didn't throw anything. He looked at me and he said, son, he says, it doesn't really matter what you believe, I still love you. 